Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. Focused on you and I receive your washing now. I receive your cleansing now. I receive the nourishment. I receive your cherishing of me. I thank you Lord that I'm still your son. I'm still your child and I'm going to walk towards you and I'm going to keep on walking towards you. Are you with me? Remember if you would like to hear more about our ministry just log on to kingdomrock.org That's kingdomrock.org Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Matthew 22. As the Spirit of God just fills this room right now. Let me get my daughter to help me, please. Matthew 22. Matthew 22. If you will, please. Matthew 22. And uh, we're just going to look at verses 1 through 14. Now, I do not know. Well, it's pretty much possible that we're not going to get to all of it today. The Lord always is faithful to make us a wonderful smorgasbord meal. You hear me? Hallelujah. We're just going to go down God's buffet and follow the follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to to see what we need to put on our plate today. It's like we're taking a trip down to Ryan's or Golden Corral, and there's so much good stuff to eat here. We have no clue what to start with. Shall we start with the yams or the collard greens or the potatoes? Shall we get some, uh, you know, there's just so much, some steak and some chicken and some fish. Where do we start? You know, the one that has the biggest dilemma of it all is the one that is hungry. When you are really hungry, you don't know where to start first. How many of you are hungry? How many, how many of you are hungry for the word of God today? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're hungering and thirsting for the Lord. Well, here in Matthew 22, Matthew 22, and uh, let's look at verse. We're gonna, I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead and read verses 1 through 14, and then we're going to go back, as is our custom, and uh, look at it further. And it starts with this. And Jesus, of, cor- of course, we're still in the series, A Life of Christ, all right? And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not what? They would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them that there, or rather tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them, or treated them disgracefully or badly and killed them. Verse 7, but when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their, and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Say worthy. worthy. Say worthy. worthy. Say worthy. All right, verse 9. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, How camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Praise the Lord. Today we're going to be speaking from the subject of, anybody guess? Wedding crashers. This man crashed. 
the wedding. In today's society, if you crash your wedding, you'll probably get thrown out too, but you won't get thrown out into hell. They may put you in jail, but man does not have the power to put you in hell. But in this wedding, you crash this wedding, you go to hell, not to jail. We're going to talk about wedding crashers. All right. There was a popular movie called Wedding Crashers. Anybody familiar with that movie? Oh, Wedding Crashers. Now, I am not telling anybody in this room, anyone listening by CD or Internet or anywhere to go and see the movie because they're, they glorify some things that are not Christian. But the point remains. The point remains. Now, uh, here is the, that's the cover of the thing there, Wedding Crashers. I want you to see uh, some things that uh, were mentioned in it. Uh, so things that were mentioned in it. This one gentleman said, dance like you mean it. When you get in there, dance like you mean it. Just let it hang out. Let it all hang loose. <laughs> you in there, enjoy yourself. Dance like you mean it. Uh, this, uh, the next gentleman says here, invitations or invites are for losers, he says. You don't have to be invited. You just go and invite yourself. You don't need invitation. Uh-huh. All right, but let's see what they say together here. Whatever it takes to get in, get in. That's what they say. Get in. Be a part of that. But that's not what God says. Are you with, are you with me? There is a wedding feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb that will be taking place, and you won't be able to crash that. You will stick out, not you, but those who have not uh, put on Christ, put on his garments will stick out like a sore thumb and uh, there will be no toleration. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and just so many other things that we will look at today. Thank you so much. Let's thank God for our media department helping me out. Amen. Amen. We thank you all so much. All right. But now let's go back up to uh, verse number one and we're going to just follow all the way through, follow all the way through. And the Bible says, and Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parable and said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage, rather, yeah, a marriage for his son. Now, when the Bible says made a marriage, especially here in the King James Version, it talks about uh, a marriage festival or marriage feast or wedding feast or a banquet. So here is a king that is making a wedding banquet or a feast for his son. Verse 3 says, And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden or invited uh, to the wedding, and they would not come. Now, there are a lot of things that have gone on actually before verse 2. We're going to look into this and uh, see a little bit of the Eastern culture and uh, it's just so much, there's a big gap of difference between the Eastern culture, Eastern weddings, and the uh, Western weddings. We are the Western culture over there, okay? That's the East over there. Yes, I think that is the, the direction I'm pointing now, East. No, that's West. This. All right, praise the Lord. See, that's East over there. That's why I was not born in Bible times. All right, but anyway, y'all see what I'm talking about. There's, there, is, there is a vast difference in the wedding, wedding uh, culture. Before this banquet uh, was made, several things had to take place before it was made. One, the king had to find a suitable uh, bride for his son. So there was a search going out to find who is going to be uh, the princess here. Are you with me? Who is suitable for my son? Then there was also an examination. We found her. Let's examine her. And then if she was suitable, then the parents would make up a contract or have an agreement. And at this point, the children, actually the, the son and the daughter, would actually be legally married. But they would stay separate. The daughter would stay with her parents. And the son at this point would go away to prepare a place for his bride. Sound familiar, anybody? Talking about Eastern culture. He would go away. Now, the contract was signed, and this was called the betrothal period. They were betrothed one to another, okay? Or the engagement. We call it the engagement period over here. So, during the engagement period, again, the, the wife 
uh, that is now legally married to the husband because of the contract. Now, at the, when the contract is signed, this is probably, uh, especially in Eastern culture, the very first time that uh, she has met him at, or that he that's met her. I mean, this, their first meeting, their parents is taking care of care of everything. It is the father that has overseen uh, the relationship of the union. All right. So they see each other. Oh, I'm married to you, huh? Hmm. Well, at least you do have this and that. They have very little say in it. Are you with me? Very little say in it. The parents, the parents overseed it all, oversee, oversaw the whole thing. So the girl or the woman will go back with her parents. She's now betrothed or now uh, really married at that point but they call it betrothed uh she stays with her parents and he goes away to make a dwelling place to build a house make sure that he has a place to put her okay jesus let me uh spring forward a little bit jesus is our husband we have been betrothed of the lord okay we're going to talk about that shortly the bible even declares in the book of john that the lord said i'm going away he said, it's better for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the Spirit of God won't come. The Holy Spirit won't come. But he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. We'll look at that. That's that betrothal period. And we're going to talk about the church age now. And there are certain, certain rights that we have as the one that is betrothed. Praise the Lord. All right. And there are certain responsibilities that we have as well. But so the, so he, so the bridegroom... The groom is actually called the bridegroom there in Eastern culture. We just call him groom, right? There is called the bridegroom, bridegroom. So when you hear the term bridegroom, you're talking about the, the groom, the male, right? Okay. All right. So he's going away to prepare a place. Uh, after he finds a place or prepares the place, it is the father that tells him uh, or that schedules the wedding feast okay the son has gone away uh, to prepare the dwelling place for his bride now he comes back and it is uh up to the father then to inspect that place and say all right all right it's time now to call the guest in now meanwhile while the engagement period has been going on in the betrothal period uh servants have gone out to announce hey my son's getting married hey uh, he's going away, but as soon as he gets back, I want you to come. So invitations have gone out. Are you with me? So people have been invited. People, and you only really invite folk that you know to something special like that. Some, you know, because you only have so much food to go around, so you don't want to go on the radio and the television announce that so-and-so wedding, everybody's invited. You know who's going to show up. So these particular special events are by invitation only right we some of us are going to a wedding that soon we're going to have a wedding coming up very soon back in the back praise the lord and his invitation are you with me all right so let's look now at verse number um verse number two again he says that um uh, the king who is the father made a marriage or a wedding feast for his son all right, so we're there now. We understand what has happened. So the son is going out. The father has set the time. So the son is now back. The father has inspected the dwelling place and said, all right, it's own. It's own. And now the servants have gone out. Now at the, at the wedding feast, uh, the wedding feast could last for up to a week. They could be partying for a week. In Western culture, we have the ceremony first. And then we go to what's called the reception or we could call it what feast we go and feast right over here we do the wedding first and then we go and eat over there which is what the bible's talking about here they have the feast first and then they go into the ceremony okay that's very key for you very key for you to to understand so the ceremony of the of the marriage ceremony has not taken place yet this is not a wedding reception as we would think about it here is not taking place he's calling all the guests in and this could last for about a week he's calling them in uh to celebrate the union of his son and his soon to be uh of his daughter-in-law are you with me all right so this is taking place 
Okay, so of course, after the uh, wedding uh, feast, uh, there's a presentation of the bride. You know, she's presented, oh, out of all the ladies that are there, she comes up in her, you know, freely thrillies or what have you, and she comes up and everybody say, oh, she's the one that's married to him. She's the one. Now, in Western culture, the, the uh, wedding is all about which one, the, the bride or the groom? Which one is it? It's the bride. They call it the bride's day, right? In Western culture, it's all about the bride. In Eastern culture, it's all about the husband. Okay? It's reversed. It's all about the husband. They call him the bridegroom. It's his day. Okay? It's his day. All right? So the whole ceremony, I mean, it is, it is his father. Remember, it is the father who sends out invitations for his son. The Bible says that the king made a wedding feast for his son. So he's the one that sends out invitations for the son. Okay? As we are married to Jesus... You better bet it's not about you or me. It's about him. That's why the Bible declares in, in Revelation 19 chapter it's the marriage supper of the lamb of the lamb of God. It's his day. It's his time. So during during the feast time, the bride is brought out of the of those that are invited and people see her. She is presented and the, the ceremony occurs there. And then, of course. Uh, after that, they consummate the marriage and then they live happily ever after. Okay? Which is very much different uh, in today's time. That consummation happens after the ceremony, but we'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So, I want, that's one thing we have to see now that we are the bride of Christ. Now, you can make a note of this or turn to it in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, Ephesians 5. Uh, verse 25, you can make a note of it or flip to it if you have fast fingers. I'm moving on. Ephesians 5, verse number 26 says, or rather verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Remember, the bride is presented. Okay, now who's responsible for cleaning up the bride? It is the bridegroom. The Lord said, he said, look at it again, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Jesus is cleansing you. You the bride, Jesus is cleaning you up. Say Jesus is cleaning me up. Okay. It's his responsibility to get me, uh, get me clean. He's doing that by the washing water by his word. So right now, even as you're hearing the word of God, you're being clean. You're being washed. Right now. If you could use your Holy Ghost imagination, you'd see bubbles flying around everywhere from all the, all the soap that's going on right now. He's cleansing you. You're, you're receiving the word. He's doing it right now. Say, thank you, Lord, for this bath. Haven't had one in seven days. Okay, that's enough. All right. Thank you, Lord, for the bath. All right. So he's washing us uh, and cleansing us with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself on that day. A glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives uh, as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it even as the Lord the church. Here again, uh, as the bride, if we recognize ourselves as the bride. Now, there's a difference between the church and the bride, and we'll, we'll get together with that shortly. Uh, there's a difference between the church and the bride. The bride comes out of the church. We'll talk about that. Now, notice again that last part. He said, he, the uh, very last part, but nourishes and cherishes it even as Christ the church. So during our betrothal period right now, because here we're in the day of feasting, and we're going to, Lord Jesus, help us. We're in the day of feasting. We're feasting off the lamb. We're feasting in his word right now. We're in that feasting period, okay? And then after the second coming of the Lord, this is when we go into the great marriage ceremony, Okay, which talks about that in Revelation, the 19th chapter, going to the marriage ceremony. But right now, we're feasting. We're feasting. And the Lord is washing us. 
and the Lord is cleansing us and the Lord is nourishing us and the Lord is cherishing us. Okay. He's nourishing us and cherishing us. So what we got to do, uh, family, we have to begin to confess that. Thank you, Lord, for nourishing me. Thank you, Lord, for cherishing me. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing me and for washing me, regardless of what you see. But, Lord, I just had a slit smoke liquor last night. Thank you, Lord, for washing me. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing me. Thank you, Lord, for nourishing me. That is giving me everything that I need. Thank you, Lord, for cherishing me, for loving me. I'm not tolerated. I am celebrated. He really does love me. He really does want me to be here. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So right now, that's the bride. And as the bride, we also have responsibility to be faithful. To be faithful to him. Are you with me? So here again, the bride are those. Let me give you a, a little more distinction between the bride and the church. The bride are those who have eaten, eaten of the flesh of the lamb. That is the truth of God's word. Remember, Jesus is the word, right? John 1. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. All right. Jesus is the word. So now during this feast, we're feasting now. Uh, because God has already found us. Remember, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. I was, but now I, but now I see, right? We have been found. Remember the period I told you about the steps before marriage? He goes out and finds. How many of you have been found of the Lord? How many of the Lord found you? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He picked you out. He chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. Hallelujah. He loved you first. And as a result of his love, receiving his love, then you had a notion to love on him. All right. But here again, the bride are those who have eaten of the lamb's flesh. That is the truth of God's word and are full. They have matured into his image and have sanctified themselves through the truth. They are those who not merely know him, but have fallen in love with him. Now, here's the distinction. We'll see all of this in, in Matthew 22. This is just wonderful. I could kick. I'm going to do it. Kick. This is just wonderful. Okay. There is a distinction of the bride and the church. Here again, the bride comes out of the church. Not all those that are in the church are the bride of Christ. You'll have some uh, that, as we talked about even in Sunday school this morning, that are members of the church. Members of the body, but are slowful, slothful. Are you with me? They know what God said, but they just won't do it. They know the word of God is available, but they just won't hear it. Their major talk is, I got Jesus and I'm sitting here waiting on him to come back and take me away from here. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to help. I'm not going to do that or the other. I'm going to wait till Jesus come back. I'm going to sit here and do nothing. They're not preparing themselves. The, the Bible declares, and, and uh, we could look at this and here again in Revelation 19. Uh, the Bible declares, let's go ahead and go to it. Revelation 19 and 7. I'll wait till you get it. Revelation 19 and 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Revelation 19. We'll take a moment and look at this. When you get Revelations, now remember Revelations is the last book of the Bible. If you're there by Genesis, go the other way. Remember, if, you, if there's ever time that you cannot find a book, of the book of the Bible that you're looking for, use what? Use your table of contents, okay? If your neighbor's available and you don't feel embarrassed, ask them, How you, where is it you've helped me find this? That's okay. Revelations 19, let's look at it, verse number 7. It says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife have what made herself what ready. Okay. His wife had made herself ready. Now look, look at that language again. Let us give honor to him 
Over here in the Western culture, we say, let's give honor to the bride, right? Oh, she's so pretty. Look at her tiara. Look at how long her train is. When they had that uh, marriage over, I think, in um, London, England, you know, everybody was wondering, what's she going to wear? What's she going to wear? What's she going to wear? Over here, you know, the same thing. What, what, you know, it's about the bride. But here, uh, rather than Eastern culture, it's all about the bridegroom. It's all about Jesus. So we're giving honor. The ceremony is to honor him. Say, we're here to honor Jesus. Now, notice it says, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. It's finally here. And his wife, that is the remnant of the church, the bride, hath done what? Made herself ready. She is yielded to Jesus. She has partaken of his word. She's allowed the, uh, the Lord, or we have allowed um, the Lord to wash us and cleanse us. We've submitted to him. Irregardless of the sin. Hear me. Sin is a distraction. You mean it is a distraction. If you allow sin to do its work in you, it will take you right out of the church. Right out. If sin takes root in you, it will cause guilt, shame, uh, doubt, unbelief. It will cause separation between you and God. The main purpose of sin is to get your attention from the Lord. Sin wants to make you focus on you and what you've been doing and take your focus off of Christ. I had a wonderful discussion last Sunday with, with some of the brothers as we as a wonderful illustration of this is Peter walking on the water. As long as Peter kept looking at Jesus, he was OK. He was walking. But the moment he lost focus and started looking around at what could happen. And looking around at all the destruction, looking around, oh, at this and all the cares and worries and I'm not doing this and, and this is not possible. Look at all this. This is not possible for me to walk with the Lord. The moment he broke focus, he began to sink. And that's the exact same thing that is the plan of sin today. It wants to scream loud. You can't serve God because you're still drinking. You're still cussing. You're still smoking that old reefer. You're still doing this and you're still doing that. You're still laying with them and laying with that. Yeah, you're no good. You look, God don't want you because you because of this, because of that, because of this, because of that. And if we focus on that, look at that. What's happening? We're sinking. We are sinking. But if we acknowledge the wrong, if we confess the sin, looking at Jesus, Lord, I, I messed up again. Could you wash me? I confess that last night I did this, last night I did that, but I want to keep my eyes focused on you and I receive your washing now. I receive your cleansing now. I receive the nourishment. I receive your cherishing of me. I thank you, Lord, that I'm still your son. I'm still your child and I'm going to walk towards you and I'm going to keep on walking towards you. Are you with me? Say with me, sin is a distraction. I guarantee you, people that have been distracted by sin, one of the things that they do is they don't come to church. Because there's so much under guilt and condemnation. When the Lord said, I've already taken care of your sin. I've already done that. I want you to focus on me, the Lord says. Look at me. Look at me, the Lord says. Hallelujah. But we can be so distracted with life, cares, sin, bills, debts, that we take our attention off of Jesus and we will sink every time. Keep your focus on the Lord. Are you with me? So the bride has made us ready. She has decided to keep her focus on the Lord. We have decided to keep our focus on the Lord. Are you with me? Verse 8 says, uh, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. Now, you're going to see this again in Matthew 22. That she be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Where do we get our righteousness from? Jesus. Our righteousness from Jesus. It's a free gift, right? If you refuse God's righteousness, it's because you think that your righteousness is good enough. Are you with me? That's called being self-righteous. But the Lord said that she has received or we have received the fine linen, uh, which is the righteous, righteousness of the saints. Verse 9. 
And he said to me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the who? Of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he saith unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Now I want you to notice something here in verse number 9. Then we're going to go back to Matthew. The Bible says that blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, this is seen, I want you to see this in two ways. This is the marriage supper of who? The Lamb. Who is the Lamb? Jesus. Marriage supper of the Lamb. This is his supper. We're here to honor him. But also see it this way. This is the marriage supper of the lamb or of lamb. In other words, he is also the main course here. We're eating lamb. Praise the Lord. And just a moment ago, we had communion. We ate the, we ate the lamb, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Hallelujah. In that holy um, sacrament there. So, and we know that the lamb, Jesus Christ, is the word. So, the bride has made herself ready. She has received the, the Lord's righteousness. We have received. Now, when I say she, uh, I'm just speaking in terms of marriage is because this she identifies male and female. Praise the Lord. And in Christ, there is no, really no distinction. We're all one in Christ. All right. So I don't want anybody to get thrown off by that. Are y'all getting anything out of this today? All right. So the bride has made herself ready. We have made ourselves ready by receiving the Lord's cleansing, by receiving the word, ingesting the word of God, getting full of the word, getting full of the word, getting full of the word. This is just not a, a Sunday thing for us. But we're getting full of the truth of God's word, getting full of the truth of God's word, making ourselves ready uh, to see the Lord. We are cooperative with the spirit of God, yielding ourselves to him and not trying to make our own way. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. All right. So in this marriage supper, the lamb is being served. Jesus is being served. And here again, we are in, uh, we're actually in that feasting period right now before this full-blown period takes place. Before the actual marriage, before the actual coming together of Jesus and his bride, between Jesus and, uh, and his bride. Are you with me? All right. All right. Now let's go back to Matthew 22. This is thrilling. We'll just be a little bit longer than we're going to close out for today. All right. So in the, as we're in the betrothal period now, the Lord expects us to be faithful to him. Let's look at it. Let's look at another verse. Let's look at it. Um, John, the 14th chapter, John 14. You can find that as well. This will help you to more identify who we are. John, the 14th chapter. Are you there? John 14. And let's look at verses 1, 2, and 3. John 14. We mentioned this earlier. I just want to bring it up to you. Once again, I want you to see it. John 14, verse 1, 2, and 3. And it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. The Lord Jesus speaking. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, my bride. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Now I want you to see that in light of Matthew 22 again. When the groom, bridegroom has finished preparing the dwelling place, he comes again for his bride. The Lord said again, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Hallelujah. Now, there are certain rights and privileges that a wife has after we, and I'm speaking of eternally now, there's a certain rights and privileges that a wife have, has that, um, that uh, the other persons that are invited to the ceremony they don't have my wife 
has the privilege of receiving anything that I have. She can have it all. <laughs> Are you with me? Anything, whatever, uh, whatever I have. Now, there are also uh, certain, here again, rights and privileges. Uh, being my wife, if anyone were to threaten her, or even look like they might threaten her, <laughs> you don't want to see that coming at you, buddy. Uh, the Lord protects his church. Are you with me? Right? And uh, I mean, I want my wife to have everything and anything that she needs. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just human here. But look at, our, look at our husband, our bridegroom. We go to him. And we talk to him. And he supplies us with whatever we need. Amen? So just a, just a few things. So... Uh, the whole marriage concept in, in, our, in this time period all relates to Christ. All relates to us in Christ. That's why the, the Lord tells the husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And tells the wife to submit to her husband, uh, even as the church is subject unto Christ. Hallelujah. And I find that, you know, most ladies have no problem submitting to a man that is uh, submitted to God. I was hoping to get something bigger than that. No problem submitted to a man that's submitted to God. When a wife has trouble submitting to her husband, it's because she can't trust him. I'm going to hide. That's pretty much it. I'm not looking at anybody. don't want to look at anybody. But when she knows that he's submitted to the Lord, she has no problem submitting. I can talk about my wife and I. Praise the Lord. I... Uh, even though that even though she submitted to me, praise the Lord, being, being submitted is voluntary because she has gifts, talents and abilities that far exceed mine in a lot of areas. And I honor her giftings. I honor her talents. And uh, I, I try to listen to her. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and to listen more and more and more because that woman has gotten me out of so many jams. I'm telling you. So many things I would have done. She said, hey, hold up. Hold up, big fella. Okay, okay, okay. Praise the Lord. She kept me, she kept the wrath of God from coming down a lot of times, let me tell you. By just listening and hearing the ministry of the wife. I'm telling you, the ministry of the wife is powerful. It's very powerful. And I thank God for the ministry of the wife. Moving on here. So here again, in this betrothal period, we are separate Betrothal period. We are separate. Uh, remember, the, uh, the, the wife would go back with her to live with her what? Her parents. Go back to her dwelling place while the bridegroom goes and prepares a place. Okay? So we are separate from the Lord in that physically. He's not physically here with us. Are you with me? He's with us in spirit, in our heart. His spirit is with us and among us. But physically, like in flesh and blood at this very moment. He's not with us. Are you with me? I mean, he could be. He could appear with us, praise Lord. And Lord, you're welcome to any time you want to. But speaking in general terms, general terms, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. All right, right hand of power. Okay? So we're separate. But during the, the, the separation period, the betrothal period, here again, he wants us to be faithful to him. He wants us to be, be faithful to him. And uh, he yearns for us. Now let's look at one more. You can go to 2 Corinthians 11 chapter, or you can make a note of it. I'll just read this to you. This is out of the New King James Version. I love the way it reads it. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2 says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. We are espoused to the Lord. Are you with me? So I would have no other gods before him. We are espoused to him. And during that espousal period, we have rights and privileges. Amen. All right. Now, go back over to uh, Matthew 22. We're going to try to land this plane within the next few minutes or so. Are you all still with me today? Are you getting anything out of this? All right. We need to know where we are 
in history and in time. So verse 2 says again, Matthew 22, 2, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son, made a feast for his son. Now look at verse 3, and sent forth his servants. Now the servants are uh, the prophets or the preachers, those that God will use to go out and tell that the marriage is ready, that the feast is there. Now listen. Uh, verse 3, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden or invited to the wedding, and they would not come. Now, this is also a part of this culture. Let me read verse 4. It says, again, this is the second invitation, again, he sent forth other, other servants saying, tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are what? ready coming to the marriage all right now so he has invited them how many times twice this is an example of what's called a double invitation say double invitation okay this is not common in the eastern culture in our culture here if i invite you and you don't show up i'm xing you off the list next that's just how that's how we roll over here <laughs> right i spend my money my time this and that and the other and you don't come i call you and tell you face to face and you tell me no next i like that famous lady said to the left to the left anyway so here we go this is an example of a double uh a double invitation. Now, this is very common in Eastern culture. Now, listen, the first invitation was actually expected to be turned down. They were ex expected to, to turn down. Uh, and actually, if you had received the first invitation, it would be dishonorable, a sign of dishonor. Because the host wanted to compel you to come. Okay? Now, you see this a lot. This still in some Chinese movies today. You don't really see it here and here. You know, a man would come in and who is starving, his stomach is growling, and he goes to somebody's house, and um, the, the host sees he's starving and says, here, take the food. If that man receives it, says, oh, thank you, this, you just eat it, you know, that would be dishonorable. But you see in some Chinese movies, still today, in that Eastern culture where they say, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't. Even though he's hungry, 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 he still says, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't. Why? Because he's waiting on the host to give him honor by compelling him. So the host would say, say to him, oh, yes, yes, come on, come. Yes, yes, I want you to have it. I want you. I really do. I want you to have it. And then he would say, really, really? Yes, yes, yes. Here, take it, take it. And then the gentleman would finally say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay? Because it was seen as honorable. Uh, the, the host wanted to show you how much you were wanted, how much he wanted you to have it. Okay, how much he really wanted you there, meaning that I'm not just not tolerating you. I'm not just being nice to you. I'm not just putting up with you because I see I heard your stomach. So I know you hungry. So you take it. No, he was compelling him, trying to tell him how much I want you to have this, how much I really want you to have this bowl of rice here. Take it, please. Take it, please. Take it, please. And the more actually he urged on, that meant uh, to tell the person that was hungry, that meant to tell them, hey, he really does want to help me. He really does. And it showed honor. Okay? So what the king is doing here is actually honoring those. They were expected in that culture. They were expected to turn the first invitation down. So it was, okay, it was fine. So again, the king sent his servants out the second time. This time, they were expected to come on, but they didn't. Are you with me? But look at this, how it, how it applies to us today. There's just so much here. We're not going to get to it all today. Look at how it applies to us today. God knew that when he called you the first time that you would say no. 
But as the host, he takes great joy in telling you, come on, I love you. I love you. Come to my house. I love you. I really want to be with you. I've given my son. I'm trying to prove my love for you. I've given my son to die for you even when you were still sinning. Come on, come on. He said, I love you with a jealous love. I love you. I yearn for you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. He so loved you that he gave his son. Oh, I really want you to be with me. Oh, I really want you. I really want you. God just not tolerating us. He actually likes us to be around. He actually loves us. Isn't that wonderful? The double invitation. And some people, the Lord is still wooing of the, of the quadruple invitation, the, the octo invitation. He's still wooing people, but he loves to show people how much he loves them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He takes great joy in trying to show you how much he loves you. The double invitation. This is wonderful. My, my, my. I wish we could. Y'all would do just a little bit more. The double, double invitation. So let's look at this. He says here in verse, verse number four, he says that the food is ready. Now we're really going to stop in verse four. He said the food is ready. Everything is ready. This, the stage is set. The, the curtains are up. The lights are, the lights are hung. You know, think about wedding. Everything is set. The food is there. Here it says oxen, two type of food uh, is mentioned. Two types of food. One, oxen, and the other, what? Fatling. Oxen and fatling. Now, you've got to know two things. Now, these are dishes that are now being served at the wedding. Now, let's fast forward just a little bit. We're going to actually go into the feasting period because that's actually what we're in right now. The Lord has compelled us, people that wanted to, that were invited didn't want it we'll talk a little bit more about them they weren't worthy so he went out to others of us that were some were bad and good we're going to talk about that too and compelled us to come to the wedding praise the lord come 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 to wedding come to wedding and we know we were hungry we're out there destitute lonely and uh, needing help and we get an invitation from the king and we say oh no 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 yes yes he wants you to come really really yes 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 come come oh okay okay you know his servants knew that they had to compel them to come that was showing the love of the father that he really wanted them there are you hearing me? So we get into the marriage, uh, in, into the feast period there, and we know that they are having two things, oxen and the fatling. Now, the oxen always represents work and sacrifice. For it was those two purposes that the oxen was used, for work and sacrifice. Uh, because it was older than the fatling, we're going to get to the fatling in just a second. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because this was an adult cow, uh, the meat was more hard, okay? The meat wasn't as tender as the, as the younger uh, calf there, the fatling, all right? But the Lord said, so at my banquet, at my wedding banquet, I'm serving oxen. You can eat the oxen, which represents work and sacrifice. Here's the bride making herself ready with work and sacrifice sacrifice that's under God's tent and the wedding and the wedding feast work and sacrifice how many of you can identify with work and sacrifice in the body Amen. work and sacrifice praise the Lord but there's also the fatling there now the fatling was a uh, fatted calf a small cow there baby cow that they purposely fed and kept on feeding the children would go and feed it they wanted to fatten it up because the more, the more body is on that fatling, the more that everybody can eat. I can't get no talk. So everybody took joy in fatting up the calf. The calf is also was, was made to eat even when he wasn't hungry. They made him eat anyway because the fatter it was and younger it was. So that means they would have a lot of meat that was tender and juicy. And you only brought the fatted calf out for special occasions. You hear me? 
Only for special occasions like that in, uh, in uh, Luke 15, 23. You don't have to turn it. But when the prodigal son came back, his father said, uh, break out the fatted calf. Kill the fatted calf. And my son that was dead is now alive. In the book of Genesis, Abraham, when he saw, saw the Lord, those three angels there in Genesis 18, 7, he saw the three angels. He told them, hey, wait here, wait here until I uh, make you something to eat. And he told his wife and his servants, go and kill the fatted calf. This was something that was for special occasions. When you break, when you kill a fatted calf, that meant that uh, the meat was going to be sumptuous, mm, fall off the bone, mm, some good meat. And it meant also that it was plenteous, much provision. It meant prosperity. Are you hearing me? So in this place, in the marriage, as we're eating of the oxen, that is, we're eating of the work and sacrifice, we're also uh, eating of uh, great honor and provision. There is more than enough. There is abundance. And anytime the fatted calf is killed, they're having a party. They're rejoicing. Okay, so even though there's a lot of work, even though there's sacrifice, we should still be rejoicing. If you're eating of that fatted calf, you still should be rejoicing. Praise the Lord. And we know the main dish is the lamb that is in the room. Amen? Amen. So there's wonderful things that are here, just wonderful things. So what are we going out today? What, what are we going, going out today? Understand this, we're in the process now of getting ourselves ready to see the Lord. Getting ourselves ready uh, to see our groom, our bridegroom. We're not just going to sit around like a sloth, praise the Lord, on our dusty rusties, but we're going to make ourselves ready, make ourselves ready to see the Lord. How are we going to make ourselves ready? By yielding to his spirit, ingesting that word, taking that word in, taking that word in, learning of the Lord, falling in love with Jesus. Every bride that marries a, a husband, you should at least be in love with the man. Now, I know that some are gold diggers, but come on. At least be in love with the man. And Jesus can look in your heart and know whether you're in love with him or not. He's not going to have second best. So if we don't love him, we're not going to be part of that bride. We got to love him, fall in love with him, fall in love with his word, fall in love with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Realize that there is some work, that there is sacrifice, but there's also abundance and rejoicing and great things that God is doing for us in this hour. So, this is the end of part one. I pray that you receive the word of God. If you have your Lord, a mighty hand of praise in the name of the Lord. Well, those of you that are here tonight and those of you that are listening by way of CD, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, we're going to say this short prayer together. And I pray that if you pray this prayer sincerely, the Lord will hear you and he will answer you. So, if everybody here, would you, would you stand with us at this time? And we're going to invite our Savior in our hearts because he loves us. And he is not here to condemn us. He's not here to embarrass us. He loves you. He loves you. And he does not want distance to be between you. So, would you repeat with me? Would you pray with me? And just say, Father, I come to you admitting that I have done wrong, I have sinned, and I have fallen short of your glory. But I've heard that you're a loving God and that you will forgive me. So now I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I confess Jesus as my master, my Lord, and as my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Live in me. I accept you. And I thank you for accepting me. Now fill me with your precious spirit. I thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org.